Good morning. Today I have with me my friend Kate Barton. So Kate and I have worked together. She has a tremendous experience as a tech recruiter. Kate recently has left LinkedIn and she started her own company with some former LinkedIn recruiters and focusing on hiring in the tech market and hiring strategies. Kate, welcome. It's so great to have you here today. Thank you, Vidal. It's so nice to see your face again. <laughs> Thank you for the nice introduction. Thank you. You're welcome, Kate. It's always great to talk with you. So Kate and I were talking earlier about like red flags in the hiring process. Kate, why don't we just jump right in then? What are some red flags that candidates should look out for? They might indicate they either have a bad recruiter or a company that they should avoid. It's always an interesting one to look at this, isn't it? And I think when we were working together, it was always interesting chatting about what do we spot from a hiring manager to a candidate, but right. looking at it from the candidate's perspective is actually quite interesting. I think one of the things that people don't think about when they're approaching this new relationship with a recruiter, when they start talking to recruiters, is they don't necessarily always see it as a partnership, but that's how you should always approach the relationship with a recruiter. So I think always the first big flag is the recruiter looking at this as a partnership with you. <laughs> if you're working with a good recruiter, they're going to be there to guide you through the process. They want to guide you and help you. And they'll be open and honest with you about where your, your, um, your skills fit a role. They'll be open and honest about compensation. Really good recruiters will be able to give you career advice in the moment. So I think some of the really like basic red flags are things like communication. What's their response? If are you sending them multiple emails and they're not responding? Ah, oh, nothing more frustrating in life is there. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, okay. but recruiters should be responsive. If you're talking to a recruiter and they're just like going through the motions, then you might not have someone who has really dug into the relationship with the hiring manager? Do they know lots about the role that they're working on? Have they had a really good intake meeting with that hiring manager? And you want a recruiter who is going to be able to talk passionately and excitedly about a role within the team. Recruiters are very busy Human. though, usually. Well, maybe not today, but what part of it is like just maybe could they're overwhelmed? And that's where I think there's an element of you do have to own the relationship. Like, I think that's okay. a really good tip. But if you email them asking for a response or just a quick check-in going on and any feedback, 90% should respond. Hey, nothing right now. I'll get back to you as soon as you can. Or really good people will have walked through the time frame, So you know what the process is going to look like. They'll tell you. So once you've done this interview within 48 hours, I should be able to get back to you after okay. the initial telephone screen. Or the on-site, a good recruiter should be able to set out the time frames, And then if things move beyond those timeframes, and so you're right, it can be, recruiters can be crazy busy, but a good recruiter will, if you take the ownership, like I said, take the ownership and message them and help them, support them in this relationship. I think it's good to get the timeline, right? I think it's very good to ask, what's the timeline? What can I expect yes. to hear from you? What's the process like? But another thought I have too is I tell people, at the end of the day, the recruiter actually, you know, they work for the company, not for you, right? What do you feel about that? So I, that, this, is a, this is really interesting. I have always viewed every candidate interaction as though they're going to be a colleague, surely. Let's say whichever company the recruiter is employed by, yeah, absolutely. But they should approach it as though you're about to become their colleague. There should uh -huh. always be a level of guidance. I think guidance is a really key word here because if you go into a recruiting process, it's you're going to this black hole of process. 
and a recruiter should have a lot of respect for the amount of time that you are giving to that company. Okay. Like they should all make sure you always get someone that says, thank you for giving us so much of your time. Like you want to hear those words and they should respect the amount of time, the amount of time that engineers put into preparing for interviews is right. And, and if you don't have a recruiter that is, is acknowledging that or understanding that that is 100% a red flag, but they should be approaching it as a partnership. And you want them to, because you want them to be honest with you. If you're really pushing to apply for a particular role and they know that you're not a fit, you want them to tell you, you want them to be honest with you, not unkindly, but you want them to be able to say, Hey, look, here's why I don't think, well, why you're not a fit for this X, Y, Z. And so yes, they might be working for the company, but they are representing you as well in the process. So yes, they work for the company, but they're going to be representing you as well. That would exactly. be a good place to come from that. Hopefully if things go well, you will be part of the company. And I think it's particularly interesting for managers because I know when I was talking with you, so this would be a recruiter I could yeah. be working with in the future. Exactly. Yeah. Now we're dealing with, with um, software engineers a lot, engineering managers, like you focus in this. And I know a lot of recruiters do not have a technical background. Right. They didn't they did they mm -hmm. weren't former right. engineers. So how can a candidate determine if a recruiter really understands their technical area and if it's a match, how do they know the recruiter even understands the technical part of the requirements? I love this question. And recruiters are not engineers. I if I was an engineer, then <laughs> I wouldn't be still here talking to you. We'd be exactly, exactly. But it's not my place to to have that that deep knowledge either. But a recruiter should work with their hiring manager, maybe to have technical questions that they ask candidates. So the recruiter might not know the a full understanding, but then they should have questions, yeah. and often. It's not necessarily the technical understanding that a recruiter has, but what they're really looking for, how comfortable are you answering questions? Like, how quickly were you able to give an answer? They want to know, maybe if they ask about a project, really, it's, you don't have to have technical knowledge to understand impact that you've had, like the responsibilities that you had, what obstacles okay. did you come across and how did you work around them? And if... If you're asked a question and you're humming and whoring, oh, then you're not ready. You're not prepared. Here's something that I came across a couple of times. Okay. That if you are talking to a recruiter and you can't give an answer really quickly, don't Google it. Don't Google it. <laughs> don't Google it. <laughs> because because <laughs> recruiters are a lot wise to that. And if all of a sudden you're like, mm, and then you give a really and then you hear, then you hear the keyboard click. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. Good, it huh? happens. No, exactly. But it happens. People do it. And it's so much better to be able to say to the rec recruiter, I don't understand, or no, I don't understand. I, I don't know the answer to that, or I'm not sure about the answer. To that, but here's how I would go around finding out that information. Show your thought process and attitude. So a good recruiter won't ask, "Do you know Java?" Like they they know that okay. it's on your it's on your resume, it's on your LinkedIn profile. But they will ask things about like your experience building out a distributed system or and what you've contributed. And they will listen. So part of it you say is obviously be able to answer confidently like having an answer ready, right? Like recruiters can pick up on that. Yeah. Focusing on the impact is another thing I heard. Um, 
So during the interview, like talking with your recruiter or the panel, interviews are two-way street, people say, right? Like the company's interviewing you and you're interviewing the company. Candidates, honestly, they do want to get the job. Last time they need a job, right? So they're maybe a little scared to ask certain questions. But what do you think are the key questions that candidates should ask to determine if the company is a good fit for them? And maybe how should they ask them in the right well, way? has their own personal priorities and what's important to them. If we think about culture, for instance, you never want to say, you never want to ask a recruiter or a hiring manager, you never want to ask anyone, oh, what's the culture like? Because you're always going yeah. to get a throwaway, really super positive answer, aren't you? You're always going to get, right. oh, it's amazing here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <Best place ever. laughs> yeah, but, right. So you want, to, you want to think about how you... What is important? Maybe it's growth. So it's being able to ask things about what does the review structure look like? How often are reviews? I don't know, maybe the relationship with your manager matters. How is management involved in my day to day? How much freedom do I get? Or are they heavily involved? Something that's quite often a good indicator of being able to transform in your career is internal mobility. Being able to ask around as can you give me examples of people who've moved between teams or and going back to growth can you give me an example of someone on your team that an individual that has grown and progressed it's asking for it's probing for examples of what matters to you and i think if an interview process doesn't have someone from the team involved for a a casual conversation, ask for it. I'd say, I think it's okay. totally fine to be able to say, would it be all right if I grab 30 minute coffee chat with someone on the team or someone at a similar level on a different team? I think being able okay. to feel it out that way around is really important. Because I think when you are within an interview, you you are, I think there, there are a lot of good interviewers out there who will finish and with questions and you'll get a bit of rapport. But you never quite get enough time. And some companies will do a 30-minute lunch conversation or a coffee chat or whatever you want to call it. And that's great time for you to be able to get a feel for someone that's not interviewing you and hear a bit more about day-to-day life. So if an interview process doesn't have that in it, I would always ask. I would always ask to chat with someone who's at a similar level to you or doing a similar role. Even if they're on a different team, it can be revealing. I think that's great. Yeah, no, I think that's great. We're saying like ask for examples of actual people who did that or or I want to talk to someone who actually has that role to get their experience would be great. How can a candidate identify maybe when it's a good time, when they should walk away from a job opportunity, even if it looks like it's a good match on paper? Yeah. Yeah. And this isn't this is a heartbreaking moment, isn't it? Oh God, this could be so good. But there'll be some times when you just have that gut instinct and you know something's off. And quite often that is down to your interactions with the people. Is it is it a respectful interaction? Uh how are they treating you quite simply in the process are they late for your interviews maybe someone turns up late and just like straight into it like how great questions without any apology are they are they really trying to understand you and your career and where you want to go do you get the feeling that they want to be there sometimes you meet people in interviews and you're like 
you're not happy, <laughs> that would be a massive red flag. Or if there's someone that's trying to interview and do ask questions that are trying to catch you out, like that mm. doesn't feel good at all. It's something to consider. I wouldn't say this is the moment for walking away, but little things like how did they prep you for the interview? Did they give you the full like view of what's going to happen? Did they give you the full like time frame? Do they tell you go away? Here's the sort of questions you're going to get. These are what this is what you should go and practice. That from, that's probably that's a red flag. That's not walking away, but you've got to join a company that you feel good about the people. If you everything looks great on paper, that's fine. But also in the, the, another thing, another point that you need to be able to prepare to put your hands up is you're going through the interview process and all of a sudden it sounds different. The role sounds different to what it looked like on paper. Ah. That's a tricky moment. And, and another, honestly, another one is, and this feels quite basic to say, but compensation there is a misconception. I will say this. There is a very big misconception that recruiters are always trying to nickel and dime, and especially right. in the early stages. Quite often, a recruiter will always ask you at the beginning of your of your process with them, what are you looking to earn? Mm. And that's an honest question that is coming from, sometimes people have unbelievable expectations and it's so much better to get that out at the beginning and be like, look, hey, as a recruiter, I've always been honest with people. So you're looking for this. We're looking to pay within this bracket. So your expectation is beyond this. So we could try and look at the level above, but you haven't quite got the years of experience or whatever. So you know where you stand. You know where you stand. And a good recruiter will be honest with you about that. And re remember, recruiters don't make any... In-house recruiters don't make any money <laughs> off, hey. off, off, off your base salary, but they get to fill a role. So they are motivated by filling a role. And 10K here or there isn't going to make a difference at all. But, it's, but from your perspective, know what you want to earn. It's really important that you understand your financial situation going into these conversations. Know what you need to earn. Know where your expectation is and share that expectation with the recruiter. Be really open about what it is that you're looking for. But if you get to, if you get to the final stage and you've been honest about what it is that you're looking for in terms of compensation and a company is still coming in low, even having low. had that initial conversation early on, oof, if they're doing that now, then be prepared to walk away. Be prepared to walk away. And companies will do that with candidates as well. If they have an honest conversation with you about what they're looking to pay. And then at the end, you could say, yep, sure, I hear you, I hear you. And then at the end, you come back in saying, actually, I need 50K more. Then they're going to be like, thanks, but no thanks. It, go it works both ways, yeah. but you must be prepared to be know what you're looking for, be honest with people and be comfortable walking away. It's always a very delicate question, right? Because that's one of the very first questions that you yeah. ask, right? As a recruiter is yeah. what are you looking to make. And so what's your advice then specifically in that question? Just ask, what's the range? I would say, what's the range this job yeah. pays? Let's see if yeah. what you expect I is within that range, good. right? Yeah, exactly. And recruiters, recruiters will know what the, in terms of base salary, what the range is. And I've always had candidates say to me, I, three answers typically when I've asked them that question. One, they'll know, they'll know what they're looking for. Two, 
they'll say, honestly, I'm at the beginning of my interview process. I don't really know. I'm figuring out the market. And I'll be okay. like, that's I, fine. I'll help you. I'll, let me help you. Here's what we're looking to pay. <laughs> and okay. then they go, okay, great. And often I've said to people, look, go away and think about this and make sure that this is the right amount and this is going to work for you personally and then and then come back to me and then we all know we're all on the same page we we can move forward comfortably then the third one i get is this is something we should discuss at the end <laughs> and i get that because people are not comfortable or used to talking about salaries and compensation and so awkward and it feels invasive and it feels embarrassing and people people software engineers don't have to negotiate on a daily basis in their in their roles when it comes to conversation i used to recruit investment bankers and that was (laughs) they told you exactly what they wanted (laughs) they were good at negotiating right yeah interesting they were very good but they were very honest they were very honest and very upfront and they got what they wanted because they told you exactly what they wanted Software engineers are not used to negotiating compensation and salary. And there's some people who are very comfortable with it and some people who genuinely find it physically awkward. But do your research. Know what you want before going starting interviews. I'm, we've had this crazy period over the last two, three years where offers from companies were going berserk. Like they oh. go more and more. Someone would offer a bit more, someone would offer a bit more. And that's great for you as a candidate, but those days aren't around anymore. It's not going to be the same. People are still going to be paid. Engineers are still paid incredibly well. And you are all being honest with a recruiter will get you more than if a recruiter sniffs. So when someone always, if someone ever said to me, let's talk about that at the end, I would say, I appreciate that. I know it's difficult. I understand it's an awkward conversation, but let's talk about it now because this is really important because if we're not paying enough, then I don't want to drag you through this really intensive interview process and vice versa. You're not going to want to spend all this time, all the hours preparing and working hard to get do a good job. If we're not going to be able to pay you the right amount, that's when Got you it. walk away for sure. Got it. What are some common misconceptions that you find candidates have about tech recruiters? And the hiring process. Hmm. A good recruiter will be your partner in the process. I hate to say this. There's a lot of not great recruiters out there. Okay. I feel awful saying that about my brethren. (laughs) I feel really bad, but it's true. And so quite often people have had poor candidate candidate experience, poor experiences dealing with a recruiter. And they have felt like they're dealing with a car salesman. They have felt like the recruiter hasn't got their best interest at heart. And people have really bad experiences from that. I get it, quite frankly. I get it. But a good recruiter will be a partner. They really will. They will move quickly. They will move decisively and they'll they'll get you through. Another misconception is that recruiters don't have any control in the hiring process. And that's not true. If there's a good relationship, Vidal, you and I, if they, when we were working together, if there yeah. was a candidate that behaved in a certain way on the telephone with me, I would tell you. And the amount of times that the hiring managers would be like, that's not great that they're prepared to talk to you like that. And so sometimes 
the worst behavior that re recruiters will come across is people dis being dismissive of recruiters being quite out people are often quite outright rude to recruiters that That's goes terrible yeah. it's awful but that re yeah. but recruiters will always flag that to hiring managers and if they're not they should mm. be because that yeah. is that is quite frankly how someone's going to act within a team if there's someone more junior or on a different team that they have to interact with and they don't have as much respect for them so also i've experienced it at the end so when it comes to compensation negotiation at the very end i'm as you heard, I'm very open and honest about these situations. And I've had candidates where I've given them deadlines. Maybe they've dragged it out. We've extended the deadline. They've dragged, tried to drag it out. And we've said, no, we've got to make a decision by this date. And then the candidate hasn't made a decision. I can think of one very clear example. And the candidate, and I didn't respond. I followed up with them. I called, left messages, emailed. And then I just finally went, thank you so much for being part of this process, but I take it you're not interested and we're moving on. Thanks so much. We'll see you later, basically. And the candidate was so furious with me and went to the hiring manager and said, Kate's pulled the offer, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, no, she gave you deadlines. You, you ignored her. And she and yeah. I have like, been working in partnership about this. So we're on the same page. And, and good recruiters... And good hiring managers will be working in partnership in the background to, and they will know the hiring managers will know what's going on with the candidate. And so if you don't think that the recruiter has influence within the process, you're being a little naive. <laughs> no, totally. The recruiter has influence, right? You're talking with all the people. So you're like the gatekeeper, right? Yeah, completely. And yeah. So yeah, that seems like That's a total blunder to be, in fact, I think the opposite, you should be super nice to the recruiter because that can mm -hmm. help you right? in so mm -hmm. many ways, maybe to get feedback later uh, from how the interview went or other things. So it's all advantage. And maybe you don't get the job this time, but maybe next time you keep a good relationship with the recruiter. Exactly, um, exactly, exactly. And that's, and that's a really valid point, actually. From your insider's perspective, you have tremendous experience. What are some kind of common mistakes that candidates make that at the end cause them not to get the job that listeners should avoid? Okay. Common Besides being rude to the recruiter. Yeah. Like that's obvious. That's a blunder. Are there any other common mistakes people make that cause them not to get the job? Lack of preparation is, it feels like a really obvious one, but it's one that we see quite a lot. Just not having good questions and not from engineers, not doing practicing technically, not having a full idea about what the job is or not giving people, well, two separate things, but not having good questions and not being prepared just doesn't it makes people feel like you're truly not interested um, mm. and we are busy and this is the tough bit this is where it comes down to time and process processes can't take too long but recruiters should understand that you do need a little bit of a breather but like two weeks max you people shouldn't take months and months to prepare for interviews but you have to prepare just to show interest and then when people ask questions, it's giving examples of your experience. What have you done? Quite often people will give answers which 
trying to say, here's what I could do. When actually people don't want to know what you could do. They want to know what have you done. So it's making sure that your real life examples are polished and you're not trying to say, but here's what I do. Like, don't sell yourself too hard. Like, I'm going to be promoted to this or whatever. It's cool, but you haven't been promoted yet. So let's, what if, have you done now to show your growth? Yeah, don't Google answers. <laughs> I know it sounds so funny, but don't Google answers. Oh, I know another one. When... Candidates are in a process, quite often they're talking with a lot of other companies, understandably okay. though. And if you come across as not that fussed about the, like my, say you're a candidate talking to me and you come across as not that, yeah, cool. We can try and get this up, but I'm talking to A company, B company, C company as well. So like I'll fit you in. It's dating, isn't it? It's like dating. It's, oh, you're not that interested in me. Okay, fine. I'm not. Oh, I'm going to go off and talk to this other person over there then. Thanks very much. Cool. See you later. And one, a recruiter just won't put that much effort into you because they don't think you're interested. They'll just be like, they're never going to accept our role because they're more interested in those folks over there. One, you don't get your recruiter backing you. Two, it'll come across in the hiring manager and everyone in the process will know that because the recruiter will have put it in their notes that gets sent to the hiring managers. So everyone will know that you're not that interested and you're not that fussed. And we're just grabbing coffee just in case you like the look so of this, me. Line. This is so interesting because I think you're right. It's like dating. You want to show that you're interested, right? I wanted to show to the company, I'm really interested in this opportunity. I've always wanted to work here. This is great. I'm so excited. On the one hand, you want to show that, right? Because that motivates them. But on the other mm. hand, like dating, maybe you don't want to look too eager. So how do you balance that? Because... Yeah. Let me give you my dating advice, Vidal. So... Yeah. <laughs> questions and being prepared and being responsive as well hey i we've we can what dates are you available for setting up an interview giving your dates but giving a few different dates help that person with their calendar and 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 honestly just being pleasant you don't have to be over eager you don't have to be gushing about how you don't have to say i've always wanted to work at linkedin blah, 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 or whatever company but you can right. show interest you can say hey i've looked up i understand the vision and mission of this company i'm interested to hear more about that from you it's asking those questions like you would Dating. Oh, I saw in your profile that you're really into kite surfing. Tell me a bit more about that. <laughs> it's not, I've always wanted to kite surf. It's a, God, that sounds interesting. Tell me a bit more. So questions and communication it goes back to that communication piece, doesn't it? It's, it's it, it, being responsive is really important on everyone's side, but yeah, questions and just being pleasant, be a pleasant human being. There's no need to be. Yes, you should be very pleasant. Yes. So I'm very interested in like diversity and inclusion. Do you have any specific advice that maybe is different if you're a woman or underrepresented minority as a candidate? Are there things that you might advise them to do differently to overcome some of these barriers or implicit bias in the process? I love this. I think some of it still rings true, but it's the confidence behind it. That's what I've seen. It, it's so it's still being more able confidence. To... Is that what you're saying? It's not showing more confidence. It's being confident to ask the questions. 
I've seen in the past where I will get peppered with questions by confident male engineers and then I am working with a female engineer, for instance, and they will not ask as many questions or they won't ask the compensation question. And it's being getting comfortable with some of the uncomfortable questions. It shows that you have that you have the interest and leadership. I think that sometimes people when they're in working in areas that they know and that they can talk confidently about. You're not talking to a recruiter about technical pieces, whereas if you're talking technically to one-on-one, then you might conversations might free flow but it's going back to those some of those basic questions I think something that is worth doing is networking with within companies as well finding seeing if you can find a sponsor within a company I think that's something that certain demographics are taught to do naturally and just do um Oh, boys, networking. <laughs> uh, I saw that a lot in banking. but And some people just naturally are networking the whole time. And it doesn't, it's not taught to everyone. It's not taught to everyone. And it's not, and it can feel very forced. But it's something that I would highly recommend to everyone. Um, uh, black, Latino, so, female, trying to find people in the company from similar backgrounds. Yeah, so that's interesting. That actually was an advice I got from another recruiter I talked to. Said if you could find someone in your minority group or something similar mm-hmm. to you, lots of times these people are actually motivated to help you because they also care about this topic, right? So yeah. you can kind of get an inside sponsor. Um, let me run this by you. So I have a friend of mine. He gives a very interesting story about the interview process. He says, said two candidates came in this one interview, and they asked one. One candidate was a woman, and they asked about a project that their team had done, right? And she was like, I had a great team and they did a lot of stuff and whatever. And then at the debrief, they marked her down. It's maybe just she had a good team and she really didn't do much. And then then a man came in and said pretty much the same thing. And they're like, oh, he was so humble. He was just so humble. And so the same story, pretty much depending on who it came from, was seen very differently. What Mm -hmm. do you think of that? your experience Uh, one of the pieces of advice i have always given my female candidates is say i Ah. i led the team and here's what the team executed on that's the one piece of advice i have always given female candidates verbalize your ownership and i'm not saying it doing it doing it in a arrogant or forthright way but you can use the same language, but just saying as the leader of this team. And you can, you can say, and then talking about the growth of the team and the areas that you I identified as growth versus versus we. Because I, I think that's something that, that will also come across as, I think, quite often. It's a we did this together. And that, yeah, that exactly. is an interview we. tip for men as well, quite frankly. <laughs> but women, use I. That's a big tip. Got it. No, that's that. That's actually a really great tip because I think that. So I think there are these subtle differences you have to keep mm. in mind. Um, uh, so, it, what role does like social media and online presence play in the recruiting process? Do you have any ad- advice um, on that? More and more. Yeah, definitely. So, 
from a sourcing perspective, we've used social media um, a lot more. It's things like um, Twitter. Maybe there's someone who's an expert and it's comments on Twitter. It's videos on YouTube or comments on research papers, things like that. That's how we've been really digging in or events and looking at people who have attended or been tagged at the event. Social Uh media is used as a sourcing tool a lot more now than ever before. Sure. And then personal PR really isn't it it's some people are really comfortable creating content some people aren't but still you can still interact with with content we think about social media LinkedIn obviously is (laughs) from a job hunting perspective incredible it's recruiters are on LinkedIn and the biggest tip if we're talking about social media and LinkedIn that I could give any candidate is recruiters have this tool called LinkedIn recruiter And they go in and they type in keywords and they search for you. So if your keyword, if you want to be found, make sure your LinkedIn profiles, they don't have to be like a resume, but make sure they've got the keywords that you would want to be found for on there, whether that's a leadership perspective management or technical areas. That's huge. And I think sometimes people, it's really, it's, it might seem really basic to me as a recruiter or you as a hiring manager for a but sometimes candidates just don't realize the power of the extra few words on the LinkedIn profile. Yeah. One more question. We were talking earlier about now there's this whole interest in AI, right? But that Mm -hmm. other trends, what are, are there any trends or changes you see in the tech industry, maybe like going forward that candidates should be thinking about? couple of things that come to mind oh god one thing i saw the other day <laughs> videos yeah. having to do a, like a three minute video oh, awful but some companies having? are beginning to videos <laughs> oh, like a video <laughs> resume or something like a little three minute like, video of yourself yeah give me a quick answering a few questions like a quick spiel of a three minute spiel answering a few questions and so they can see how you present that i've been seeing that popping up a bit more but um, I don't know if that it'll be a fad or not. I don't know. It's used quite a lot in graduate recruitment. We'll it see. Is. So um, they ask you. Sorry, they'll ask you to send a video. They'll say, "Hey, send me a three-minute video," and then we'll send we'll talk. you a link. Okay. I send you a link, and then you click through, and then it pops up with a message saying, "This video started in thirty seconds. The main questions you're going to be answering are these, and then you've got three minutes to answer these questions." go oh wow <laughs> how interesting yeah okay. it's intense, it's yeah. Really intense. I've, I, I don't know if that necessarily brings the best out of people but i'm seeing that more and more skills first this is something that's being spoken a lot about so for candidates what does skills first mean it means skills are squarely at the center of hiring decisions. And it's really de-emphasizing degrees and pedigrees where you've worked before to a certain extent. And it's really looking at what have you done in the job, which going back to help, trying to help increase diversity in the workforce, it's, it's skills first. I think it's going to take a little while to change quite honestly, because I think people, hiring managers have that safety net of school company. Where do they work? And the amount of hiring managers that I'm still sure out there are still saying, find me a software engineer from Google or Facebook. And, blah, 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 blah. and then within the recruiting process, understand it's going to, it, 
personally, I'm excited <laughs> for some of this. It'll it, faster scheduling, for instance, just make everyone's lives a bit easier. And perhaps it'll start impacting the technical interview, maybe the initial coding rounds. It'll be interesting to see if it does have an impact there. But the area I'm I'm I've got my eye on most of all from a, with AI and recruiting perspective is sourcing is maybe it's going to be used to help companies identify qualified candidates and source more candidates faster. It's going to be really interesting to see how that changes my role as a recruiter going forward. And it could be beneficial. AI is never going to replace a recruiter. You've got to have a human interaction. You're hiring a human to come and join another group of humans. <laughs> AI isn't going to be able to pick up on the body language, or the. Or, uh, uh, you, you're not going to talk to it AI might. the way you would talk to a human. I know. God, I was just going to say it probably will be able to do body language eventually, yeah. won't it? But for going back to the fact that one of the points I was making earlier is that people don't always talk particularly respectfully to recruiters. I make my son say please and thank you to my Google Home. I am strict with that, but not everyone is going to speak to AI in the same way. But And so everyone's etiquette around AI and how they interact with it is going to be different. Yeah. But when it, with a human being, you know that you should be pleasant and you should be yeah. polite and you should have manners with them. And that piece will never, I don't think, will ever be taken out of. Yeah. A, a negotiation, a salary negotiation is always going to have to be an in-person thing as well, I think. Yeah. I think it's interesting you mentioned sourcing because on the one hand, you could use AI, like you're saying, to help source candidates. But on the flip side, I also see people using AI to generate a resume, to update your LinkedIn profile, mm -hmm. to generate a bunch of content. So how those two are going to balance, if everyone's profile is optimized using an AI, is it really going to, is it really going to make it easier for you to find the right people in well, a way or suppose... more difficult? I suppose you still have to, everyone's experience is slightly different, isn't it? And you've got to make sure you're still giving a true representation of your actual experience. And you don't want it to all become too generic and gloss and sound the same. You need to have the keywords in there of your experience. So I, maybe I'm an eternal optimist, Vidal. <laughs> And I'm only looking for the positives and looking at how it will positively impact. But I would hope that people would still have the element of genuine experience on their sure, profile. Sure, sure. If people don't, then they're going to get found out when they get asked about it. Give me an example. I agree with you. I agree with you. So at least it'll help everyone maybe surface like the true things, right? Or help me put the right keywords so then you can find them yes. easier. So yeah. yeah, I think it'll be very beneficial from that point of view. Kate, you've been like super generous of your time. It's been great to catch up with you. Super <laughs> awesome. I don't know if you have any parting words or if people wanted to reach out to you later, they had questions for you, what would, yeah. be, the, what would be the best way to reach you? Well, it's so lovely to talk to you, Vidal. So nice to see your face. Yeah, no, please reach out to me on LinkedIn, Kate Parton on LinkedIn. Please reach out. Please feel free for, to message. If you've got any questions about going into an interview, you want to use some, someone as a sounding board, you want advice, you want someone to look at your resume, please don't hesitate to reach out. We're just about to launch our website, but Kaber, Kaber Consulting, but please at the moment, reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'll send details over to Vidal when we've got them for emails and websites and things like that. But yeah. 
any and happy to help anyone that's on this journey that is so personal job hunting is personal and it's an emotional drain quite frankly and i think people forget that so i'm happy to support in any way i can anyone that's going through it all at the moment awesome thank you so much kate it's great to catch up with you